and we're off. Hey, welcome everyone to this first official impromptu Austin Film Corps podcast. And by everyone, I mean our one person in here and me and Taylor. But also, uh, speaking of which, uh, I am joined today by a guest named Taylor Fredericks. Uh, Taylor, why don't you say hello? What is up, man? How you doing? Ah, Taylor, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. How's your uh, pandemic been? A lot of changes have been going on this past year, to say the least. No one cares about that. Uh, no one Trump's, gives a shit. As of today, Trump has been impeached twice now, um, and we had a coup last week. So you know what? Who cares about uh, your stuff? <laughs> I guess so, you asshole. Sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about film stuff. Uh, and honestly, this was all, I should mention, this is all put together very last minute. Uh, I've wanted to do something. I've wanted to get this podcast going on for a while, and I've wanted to get more people onto the Discord. So this is just a chance for me to talk to filmmakers and do that. But I didn't actually plan on doing anything tonight. It was just all impromptu. And Taylor was uh, willing and gung-ho and uh, free. So uh, I invited I him. Nothing, I have nothing else better to do. Why not? <laughs> you don't get a job. Wait, you, I wait, a job. you I'm unemployed. You applied for a job recently. Did you hear back on that one? You know, honestly, I actually got two interviews, two job interviews the next couple of days. So that's uh these are edit these are editing jobs or are these just service industry. No, these things? these are these are video editing gigs. That'd be that would be pretty dope. Yeah, I'm I suppose I'm excited to see what happens with that. We'll see. Can you talk about the companies? Um, uh you gonna go work for Lucasfilm or Nah dude. Uh they asked me I'd turn them down. Um it just wasn't up my speed, you know. But nah, um one of the companies is a beard brand, which they they make a lot of beard products and uh they um have their own barbershop here in town and apparently they I don't know what they were doing. I think before COVID hit they were flying in a bunch of different barbers from uh, around the country and they would uh film them doing using their products and cutting hair and stuff and so that's one of the jobs interviews, and then the other interview is uh for uh, Chive TV. So, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, one of our friends in the chat uh, got turned down for the exact same job. So, uh, looks really? like yeah. Wait, uh, uh, so, uh, so looks like uh, competition is stiff. Uh, no, well, the the funny thing is, is that uh, I remember when I first moved here, um, the biggest thing that was one of the companies because I remember I did like a video project. I acted in a video project with Chive, like one of, within the first year that I was uh, living here, and uh, once I was visited their facility, I was all about it and uh, what they were doing. Like I've been trying to, I've I've, I've applied for that job multiple times, and I was actually surprised, honestly, to actually you know, hear back from them. Cause it's like, all right, you know, unemployment, I got to work, you know, do these job searches. All right. I'll apply for jobs that seem, you know, interesting and what I want to be a part of. And they just so happened to hit me up. So we'll see. Well, I'm half Filipino and I can't grow a beard, so I'm not a fan. So <laughs> if they don't hire you, uh, then screw them. They're lost. Whatever. If they do hire you. Cool. Whatever. I guess it's, it's fine. 
Uh, I wish I could grow a beard. Um, okay. Speaking <laughs> of which, so uh, one of the things I do want to talk about, um, I posted a video earlier today. It was something that I, again, I'd been wanting to talk about for a while. Um, and I just never, I could never figure out the correct script. So I just did a um, small impromptu video thing and just tried to make it happen and just threw something together. And uh, yeah, I'm getting some uh, connections on there. But um, I do think it's tapping into something that is a little bit, um, it's, it's not just the pandemic, but in terms of like what I felt as a videographer. So clearly you, you are an editor and a videographer yourself. You've been, um, kind of, uh, you doing this freelance thing for a few years now, I'm assuming. Um, yeah. Um, honestly, it was more, honestly, I didn't even really care about doing the freelancing stuff until there was actually a market for it here in Austin. I mean, Indiana really doesn't have much of a freelance gig unless you're wanting to do weddings all the time, which I mean, there's, you know, no shame in that, but that was just something, you know, I'm not really wanting to do full time. So I'm, I'm curious. So before that you were just a, you were making films, you directed, I think, at least I know of five different short films before moving to Austin, right? Um, I think actually I did like 10 before moving so, here. What was your, wow, that's uh, quite a bit. Um, uh, and so in that sense, I guess, is it, is the filmmaking scene like really huge in Indiana? Dude, no. I mean, the big thing is like. Well, you just um, had like a good group of friends that. <laughs> oh, I, I had the best group of friends um, that was, we had a few of us, I'm, I'm originally from Fort Wayne. So a lot of, you know, most of everyone that we had, um, uh, what we had, we called our film fam, um, was from different parts of Indiana. So we'd all just kind of get together and meet up, you know, we're mostly we were shooting in Fort Wayne. So we'd all meet up in Fort Wayne and, um, knock out the project that we had planned out and, you know, and those guys became some of my best friends. We got one of them actually in, uh, on the listening right now, David, um, that's, he's, uh, actually a homie of mine from back home. And, uh, he was actually a big part of the film fan and also what got me on to, you know, like a fitness plan and all that good shit. So, so the film, uh, you got a little film family going on there, but so my question is what was at the time when you were just, when you were just directing films, uh, what was your, uh, um, knowledge of a videographer? What is a videographer to you? Um, Honestly, I know, I, I know. I just watched your uh, your your videographer. Well, what I was saying, I'm know. well. I'm curious, like what it was before, you know. I mean, to, I mean, for me, I never really considered. I mean, like, it, like to me, if I was like helping out shooting a wedding or something, I considered that a videographer. But like, if obviously, if I'm shooting a film or working on a film, it's a filmmaker. So that's kind of. I mean, I've never really. Was that something that you didn't, was that, my question is, I mean, I know you watched my video, the video we're talking about on YouTube is videographer is a dirty word and that's because I don't like to identify as a videographer anymore, even though I think it is a good word. Uh, the point being is like, as a filmmaker back then, did you have any connotations of what a videographer is or was there like, was there a reason that you separated that difference or not? I mean, I guess I really didn't even think about it. Honestly, it was just like one of those things. Um, 
if I was doing a film, it was a filmmaker. If I was doing any kind of freelance work, it would be, you know, videographer. Yeah. Yeah. So do I mean, you, do you have any connotations with it now? Um, now, not anymore. I think the thing that really, um, I'm starting to, I'm starting to see these commercials now, dude, cause they got the new, new fucking iPhone out. That's like, all right. Yeah. And they're like marketing it as like, you know, you can shoot blockbuster films with this iPhone. And I'm like, man, that's some, that's some BS. Cause it's like, really? Like you're going to have, you're going to tell me that you can sit there and, and sure. Yeah. You can create really good quality content on phones now. I mean, a lot of people have, but like still, I mean, I still can't sit there and be like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sell all my camera equipment. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll feel the same way. You're not going to sell all your camera equipment and then just, okay, I'm going to shoot on a phone. Cause I mean, if you show up to a set on with a phone, like, Hey, I'm shooting here and they hired you. I mean, I guess, I guess that's another, that's a question for you too. Cause it's like, as a videographer, if you show up, if they hire you as a videographer and you show up with like a phone to shoot with, how do you think that would come off to them, to the client? That's real interesting. Cause I just bought a new camera and this is a, uh, $7,000 camera. <laughs> um, uh, it, took a lot of savings to uh, be able to afford that. Uh, and it really does make the difference if you show up on films. As most of the time, a videographer is usually someone... I think videographer took off in the 1980s. I mean, it's the word's been around before that, but 1980s, we're talking about the home consumer VHS cameras were coming out and stuff and videographers, you had people, you had your cousin at your wedding or whatever who had just bought it and, and was making videos. And so <laughs> that was, um, uh, and then that was more or less what a videographer was until 2008, 2009 and DSLR started becoming a thing. And now you have a new low budget independent filmmaking that you hadn't seen before um, the micro budget thing. Cause indie filmmaking still is a different term technically when it comes to Hollywood, but you're having like videography change professions a lot. And you see people with these DSLR cameras. And a lot of times when you think of videographer, you're thinking of something with that mirrorless or that DSLR camera, um, and not something that's like a huge rig. <laughs> so it would be funny if you hired someone and they showed up with a phone. Granted, nowadays, I, I think that's what happens. Like sometimes for social media content, especially, you put a, little, a phone on a, a, a little phone gimbal, a DJI or whatever, and you run around an event. You could do a whole event with just that if you yeah. wanted to. It's a, it's really interesting. Um, the DIT process on a phone would be now. Yes, it would. I don't. I wouldn't want to do that. It's actually easier on the on the higher end cameras than it is to try and figure out how to figure out what I want on a phone. But um, the I, I definitely uh, I think that's interesting. You can get away. A videographer could do that, but again, that's the problem. That's the per, the perception of a videographer is that they are cheaper. So if you <laughs> hired a videographer and they showed up with a phone, is it really all that surprising? I mean, I feel like the client, I, I guess it depends on the client because I mean, like, 
Like, yeah, like, you know, like from your video, like you were saying, like some, you know, you know, people hire a videographer, they're expecting, you know, a, a Swiss army knife of a person to do everything. So it's like, okay, well, um, so like to, if you show up with a, a camera, it's like, even though they're expecting you to do everything and you show up with a camera that can, you know, you know, just like most of all the new cameras can shoot good quality footage and you show up with that camera. So it's like, are you are they going to be kind of like, like underwhelmed, kind of like, like they're expecting a high end rig, even though they're really not paying for a high end rig in a sense. I don't, that's the I don't, one th- I guess, I guess it all depends on the, what, who the client is. I, I'd imagine. I don't think so. I mean, I'm seeing people on YouTube who are, whether they're doing it personally as like a challenge themselves or, or they're actually being hired to do these things. They're shooting, little car commercials on a phone, <laughs> you know, that it's like, it's not like they're doing these for local businesses They're doing these for people who are like their clients that they have like word of mouth from. It's not like these bigger name companies, obviously, but they're doing things on their phone uh, because they can. And I actually don't think that a client would, they should know what they're getting <laughs> when they're doing that. The problem is for me and the reason we're having this conversation, the problem is for me is that like, when someone wants to hire me, they spe- they specifically are wanting to hire me as a videographer. Um, and I don't want to work as a videographer. I want to work with a team. And it, so it becomes like a huge issue when they're expecting, when they're talking about something simple or doing whatever. Like, yes, I could do this on my phone. Yes, I could do these things. But like, it would be so much better if I could just do like a huge uh, like an actual with an actual crew, like a huge project, give me like an actual budget. Like, let me do it with like an actual camera because we can do that. Like, there's no reason. Like, yeah, if you want, if you're fine with just whatever, then you can go get someone on your phone or you can get a phone and you go do it. This <laughs> is really uh, it, it, annoying me. It is funny too because I actually had a buddy of mine hit me up and he was, uh, and, he, and he's a musician. He's not. He's not a videographer. Um, he's not a filmmaker. He's none of the above. But he he hit me up. Apparently, he's got like a lawyer buddy, and he was like, "Hey, man, uh, yeah, uh, um, I'm." He's wanting to do. He's he he asked me for advice on uh, on equipment, camera equipment, because he wants to start shooting his own commercials. And so my buddy, you know, you know, bless his heart. Like he's sitting there asking me all these questions because he doesn't know what he's, you know, getting into. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So he's asking me for help on the on this situation. And so he's like asking me all these questions like, oh, what are the top tiers? What ask me all these multiple questions. I'm like, well, bro, let's narrow it down. Tell me because at first he didn't tell me what he just had a buddy. He just told me he had a buddy. He was looking at getting equipment and he wanted ideas on different equipment. And I was like, well, first of all, what is he trying to shoot? You know, and what's his budget? What what are you trying to accomplish out of that? Because it's like, and he was asking me, you know, what what do you use? What do you, it's like? Well, if you're just going to be shooting your own commercials and helping him shoot commercials, not knowing the basics of filmmaking and not knowing, you know, how even like a DSLR works, where you can attach different lenses and stuff, it's like, yo, you're looking at more of a like a point and shoot camera, a camcorder, essentially to shoot these things. Because if he's trying to save money and just trying to get his own equipment, and then just having his buddy you know, just shoot the shit. It's like, okay, well, here's the basics. Cause at that point you're looking at audio equipment, you're looking at lighting, how, you know, how complex are you trying to get with these commercials? How, you know, and then at that point, who the hell is editing it? 
you're gonna have to look at the editing so there's so much shit involved it's like you know there's so, you know you can't just sit there and hey here's this what do i what what do i need it's like dude like you're starting from scratch like you you need like jesus hell man here's the thing i started out editing uh i like to say i was a person who bought my camera and i just brought it to like youth camp or i brought it to uh document our senior choir disney trip you know and then i edited that footage together i put something out so for me it was just about capturing things i started out as an editor and then over 10 years i learned about uh not just editing but then like uh composition and then cinematography and then uh i'm learning about how to do light things and then you start thinking about how to make it sound good if you want things that you know there's a whole lot that builds on top of those things and the weird thing about those consultations i've done consultations before is like that's like years of knowledge like people think yes you can just pick up a camera yes you can like do hollywood movies on a phone people are doing it but they're not doing it like just picking it up the first time they're they're this is Steven Soderbergh with a crew of people and he's been making films forever and he did the oceans series and stuff. like he's, uh, he's made films before. So yes, he can pick up a cell phone and make a film with it <laughs> because he has like right. so many years of knowledge going into right. that. And I think it's so annoying when people like just discount when clients come to you and they want to, they, they want to hire someone but they don't want to like, they don't understand the amount of knowledge that goes into those things. Like even the simplest thing where just the fact that like, these are all different jobs on a film set. And then someone, I will always, every event or, or something, there's always someone that's like, Oh, if you can also take some photos while you're at it. And I'm like, that's a different mindset. <laughs> I'm not going to right. do it. You it's know, like profession, you know, uh, like that. Yeah. That's a, you know, like photographers charge a lot. <laughs> you mm -hmm. think I could just like, just cause I have a camera. Like they think the camera does the job. They Everything. think the, they think the camera is like the easiest, like, like if you have the camera and don't get me wrong. I, a tool is, uh, is only as good as you use it. Um, but I mean, also, if you have a good tool, like it, you don't have to work as hard, but at the same time, like if you don't know what you're doing, it's not going to, it's not going to look, it's not going to look great at all, <laughs> you know? Um, and not to mention the fact that like pe people hiring one person and when they don't realize how much can actually go into a thing, I'm like, yeah, you can hire me just by myself, but then it's going to take this long. And they're like, well, why is it going to take so long? I was like, well, because it's like setting up everything and then monitoring all these different things. I got to monitor audio, got to monitor the lights, I got to monitor the camera and make sure everything's really good. Something's going to go wrong. And it always does. And if it's just mm -hmm. me, <laughs> like, I don't know, man, there's so many different ways. Like, and so I, and again, I've done that. I've done that for 10 years. I've done that job. A videographer is not a bad job, but clients uh, just, are using it and they're thinking that it's just something simple, but it's not, it's not a simple job. It's not a, it's not as easy as just like picking up a camera and going, you know, and uh, just making it do all the work. Like there's a lot of knowledge that goes into it. There's a lot of, uh, 
um, time. If you really like the things that people are producing and if it's just one person, they got experience in all these different areas and they've put in some time, let me tell you. And also if they're doing it, <laughs> they're charging a lot and people don't see it. They just see the results. They're like, well, this guy's doing this. I see this guy on YouTube. I was like, yeah, well, you've wanted to go pay him. <laughs> it's going to cost you a lot of money. Right. They don't, they don't get it. Yeah. And that's, a, that's the thing too. And it's like, I, I just like even coming from Indiana and, uh, like, you know, getting hired to do some music videos or whatever. And, um, it's all fun, you know, it's a good time and it's like, okay. And then I come here to Austin and it's like, of course, like the price of livings, uh, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot larger out here, but like the fact is, it's like, you know, you, you offer somebody like, you know, just for instance, you offer somebody a thousand dollars to do a small job here, you know, whatever it may be, small job, simple gig, one day, whatever, freelance gig. You do that same kind of job back in Indiana. People look at you like, like who the hell do you think you are? You know, saying that you're, you're going to charge a thousand dollars. I have, I have 150 bucks right here in my hand right now. What can you do? I'm like, uh, it's the same shit. It's like, okay, well, hey, yeah, I was thinking about doing like this three day shoot, and uh, yeah, I was thinking about having like three locations, and it's you a, know, getting all it's these a different market, cars. Yeah. yeah, and then you're like, oh yeah, like, well, how, what's your budget? Oh, I got well, about 150 bucks, and I'm like, uh, is that for everything, or is that like, what? What is that for? Like, you're expecting the world and on such a, a small well, price point. Well, the the music industry is just also that's just a whole other con- topic when it comes to music videos and artists not being able to pay for their shit because they'll always want to offer you uh, exposure. Um, and never have I seen any director or cinematographer or person or videographer, for that matter, gotten exposure from a music video. That goes directly to the 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 artist. <laughs> all that exposure goes directly to the artist. So it Mm -hmm. always boggles when it's like, no, that doesn't like only if you're like working on a Justin Bieber thing, does anyone care who shot it or Taylor Swift? Does anyone care like who directed it? You know, uh, when, um, who David Fincher did the Madonna uh, music video or whatever. That's when, when people care or Michael Bay did whatever, you know, like that's when someone cares about the director, but uh, you know, you go and do Mm -hmm. like your local band or whatever, (laughs) like no one's, no one's gonna, um, no one's gonna look that up unless you're already a huge name. Yes. I'll do it for exposure. Then if you have, if you're going to get 3 million views in the first five hours, sure. Right. Yeah. It's a a different mindset at that point. Um, But it's, I will, but again, but you're, but you're not wrong in that, like the markets also, when you change geographic location, I mean, if we did the job, the videography job that we were doing in LA, uh, asking for our current day rates or whatever would be, um, they would be fucking huge over there and they would be like pretty easy. We can barely get that here in Texas because no one pays for it. It's not as quite understood the industry. There's just a different people just don't understand it. And that's crazy because <laughs> there's more people over there, uh, with cameras, which I find very interesting. Um, I do want to play devil's advocate though. And there are some commercials that I'll watch on television and it's just like, so, or not, not even on television, on, on like a, a social media, I'll see like a commercial for something or an ad or a promo. And it's so like, I guess you could say like cinema verite. It's like, like all natural light. It's just like all handheld. And it's weird. Cause it's like, I know they paid 
thousands of dollars for the spot, but I could have done that so easy. Right. Like there's no, like there's no lighting in it at all. And I, and it, and it boggles my mind because this lo-fi look is actually really in uh, when it comes to those commercials. They want this like kind of grungy, like authentic look, you know, and you could hire mm-hmm. a videographer that, <laughs> for that for sure. Um, but it's just, it's so, it's so strange to me. Um, like how, like I, sometimes I just, I do want to just do that. I do want to just go out and say, oh, just, just give me like 200 bucks and I'll go do this thing. Like if it'll get that, but you have to know what kind of play it's getting. Right. <laughs> like if I guess right. if you're going to, if I guess if, if in that case, if I were to do something like that, like then I would under like I would be banking on the exposure. You know, but granted, I'm not going to get the exposure from that. It's not like I've seen those social media videos and I looked up again <laughs> who did it. But right. it is one of those things where, it, you know, if it looks good on a reel, I've I've taken a pay cut. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've done it. I've done a, a cheaper thing for someone just because like, uh, yeah, I, if I can get it on the reel at the end of the year, like I understand that. I just think it's like a whole perception that that bothers me because I do I have people and I'll, they'll call me up and like if I just start hearing those words of like it's just a simple video you know things like that I was like I know what you're looking for and it's as, like, I yeah as we've and heard I don't a many, to, million times <laughs> um, there is specific term that I that I know, like if you heard, I can't remember what it was, but like, I'll, I'll remember it later. But I feel like there's a specific term that you'll hear that you just like, once you hear it, you like, you know exactly what they're, they're going for. They're, they, they don't have a budget. They don't have any money. That's what, so when they're, and they're always just looking for a person with a camera, which I think is what a videographer is the one man band. And it's not, it's not conducive to a career. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that like you can't make a career out of that. You can't you can't keep growing. Uh, you know, I've I've steadily tried to like raise my prices since I started working for myself. Mm-hmm. And uh and I've stuck to that. But man, it would have been so hard like if I didn't like just force it, you know, because it's uh, word of mouth, like people are just they don't <laughs> People around Austin just don't understand um, how much really goes into that kind of stuff, you know. And it, and if you just if you keep claiming to be a videographer, you're not going to be able to to get to that next level, in yeah, my opinion. And I think, right, and I think um, you know, uh, you know, not just Austin. I feel like that even that was the shit that was going on in Indiana. You know, you'd have these. These, you know, these guys out there who, you know, and that was a big thing, too, that I really didn't like about Indiana. Everyone was really trying to compete with one another. It's like, yo, like, I'm like, I'm just trying to I'm trying I'm trying to collab. I'm trying to learn from people. I'm trying to, you know, learn what you got. I want, you know, and maybe you can take something from what I've what I've learned over the years. But it's like everyone's just trying to compete. And so it's always this one thing. It's like, yo, I'm doing the same shit. And then, like, it's just so much trash talk. And it's like man, what's the point of this? Like, we ain't going to get anywhere. Everyone's trying to, you know, be better. It's like, it's one thing to be competitive in a sense to where it's like, hey, you know, I want to strive to be better because you should always strive to be better. You know, you should never settle on what you already, what you already have accomplished. You should always want more. You should always want to be better. But that's another thing too. I guess that comes down to being humble 
because there's so many people that are just like, yo, like I'm, you know, I'm the shit at what I do. And I was like, I've seen your videos. You are not the shit at what you do. You need, you have a lot to learn, you know, and with that attitude, you ain't going to get far, but it's like, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, you either take it or leave it, but that's the thing I've always learned, you know, being in that, you know, scene in Indiana coming from coming to Austin, um, it's just like a different vibe. Like there's a lot of things down here where there's people that are just like very open. Um, that was one thing I loved about Austin when I, before, even when I, before I first moved here was like, everybody's so open, everybody's so friendly. And, uh, I mean, like, uh, like recently dude, like, I mean like that last Jimmy episode we did, it was, we, you know, that was probably the biggest well, crew before that we, I've worked on, you know? Well, before we get here. there, I want to, um, this is a good segue because uh, <laughs> the videography stuff was all just a, a me wanting to rant some more. Um, if you want to know, if you want to really know my thoughts, just go to my YouTube channel and, and, uh, and um, watch that video. But uh, talking about moving from Indiana to Austin, uh, Austin Film Corps, this discord and the website, austinfilmcore.com, it, it's, I created it as a means to get people connected as a means, especially when I first came to Austin, I was asking people like, Hey, what, like, how do I find this? Or how do I get connected with that? Or how do I, you know, blah, 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 to try and get on some film sets. You know, I came here to pursue acting and uh, film and I wanted to get involved. And there's a website here. There's a uh, email list here. There's a, there's different things peppered throughout. And there was not like one place that like had collected it all. And so I strove to create a website that uh, collects that and gives you the resources and has everything in like one spot. And this Discord is also a chance to maybe help help push that as well. So I'm curious about what your experience was going back to whenever you moved from Indiana to Austin, like how that's been and, uh, you know, things like that. And so when did you come to Austin? How long ago was that? Um, I came to Austin, what was it? It was like, I got here like beginning of October of 2017. Um, so it's been about three years? Yeah, a little over three years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so whenever you came here, did you were you familiar with the film scene at all? Um, not really. The only thing um, that I had familiar was, I guess, Austin itself because it's like uh, those two years prior – um, my buddies here in town flew me out to shoot their music video two years in a row, did that, fell in love with the town, um, wanted to move here just because of many reasons. Um, and, uh, I, I ended up making that leap and that's, a, and that's a lot of thing. A lot of there's, there's so had you, had you been to Austin before? I've been to Austin before I moved here for sure. I mean, that was the one thing like I said two years in a row prior before I moved here, fell in love with the city, mm-hmm. wanted to make a change yeah so when you first got here uh you said you had some friends that were already here so it was yes easy to get plugged in uh i mean were these filmmakers no it's just it's mostly it was just musicians it was Mm -hmm. uh you know all musicians starting out and uh then i started uh you know finding the you know you know even facebook can be as toxic as it is sometimes I did, you know, get in touch with a lot of the, you know, the filmmaker groups and the actor groups and was able to find a network with a lot of talented individuals through that and start kind of, you know, you know, meeting people that way. And that's you know, how you got 
connected was by uh, the Facebook groups. A lot of it was the Facebook groups. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting uh, because like I personally specifically don't enjoy the Facebook groups. <laughs> I feel like I just, I don't like Facebook and I didn't like the fact that the one place to connect with any, anything film was on Facebook, but it sounds like you had some success. What was it? Just like answering like uh, crew calls or something or just like post uh, engage it. Was there any actual engagement there going on or what was well, it? I mean, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, there was, there was definitely something, you know, people, a lot of times there's a lot of people that come in, Hey, I'm new to the group. This is what I do. Would love to collaborate. And all, you know, I'm, I'm always down to collaborate with people who are passionate and want to be a part of something and want to work on shit. A lot of the, what, what really helped too, um, with getting, you know, more involved with like filmmakers was, you know, I ended up getting a job at Alamo draft house met a lot of filmmakers there and uh, started networking and started getting on some of their sets, you know, and, you know, meeting people on that and just, you know, building a network from there as well. So. So what was, what was your um, thought process going into? Like, how did you have to get, was it just talking to people? Like were people approaching you? How was it? How were you getting on the film sets? A lot of it was like, um, you know, like I said, a lot of it was working with people and then they knew people and, you know, it's just kind of step after step, you know, of course, I'm not going to expect to hop right into Austin and, and, you know, expect to make, you know, start making a living as a filmmaker or, you know, as a creative, anything like that. So it was like one of those things was like, okay, you need, you need, you know, a PA on your set. Hey three days, you know, two, three days shoot shit. I'm there, you know, it's like, I already like you. I'm already friends with you, but you know, I work with you. I'm already friends with you. I already know what you're about. It's like, yeah, I would love to help out, you know? And of course I, I didn't, I wasn't getting paid to do any of that. I just wanted to be a part of something, you know? And that's how it, that's how it's always been for me. It's like, I want to be a part of something. You start working with individuals, you start meeting people on set on their sets, not networking with them. That was another thing too. I worked on one film set with a buddy that I filmmaker um, director that I was working with. And then I met the cinematographer there who ended up actually shooting his own film, which I was able to be a grip on. So it's like, it's just like one of these things. It's like one leads to another, which is great. How many uh, free jobs would you say you've done since coming to Austin? Free jobs, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's quite I mean, a bit, I, I'm assuming. I mean, I, I mean, I, I did quite a bit, but I mean, a lot of it, if, I mean, like, of course, if it's like, do you, do you, do you think that, how do you feel about that hustle? You know, like, I feel like that's kind of a thing. It's just kind of known. I don't know what it is. I feel like there's this perception in Austin. Like when you first get here, like you're, you got to do the grind, man. You got to, mm -hmm. you got to just start putting yourself out there and just doing it like what do you what do you feel about that how do how was that hustle for you in austin i mean it was like i said it was uh honestly a lot smoother than i expected it to be you know coming from indiana where there's not really much of a film scene i mean it's it's been growing since i've moved um it's still not where i'd hoped it to be you know there's no way that's to move back to try and do something there but like it's like going from there where it's like, you know, there wasn't really much filmmaking going around. Um, 
And so we ended up creating, like I said, creating this film team to end up making these, to make these films, we created the opportunity. Um, and so then moving down here to Austin where there is, you know, a film community and there is a scene for that. It's like, it was just a, such a smoother transition because it's like, I got, started working at the draft house where, you know, there's a lot of filmmakers and creatives that work there. So it's like, you know, it's, it seems like every step of the way was beneficial in a sense, because it's like you're meeting somebody and then they know somebody and then you're constantly, you end up becoming this circle and it's, you know, it's a great, great thing to be in. So the hustle, I've always been about the hustle. It's like, you got to have the hustle. You can't expect things to be handed to you. You can never expect things to be handed to you. You got to work for what, what you want. And if, if you, if you want it bad enough, you're going to, you're going to go out and get it. Like, that's just how I've always been. You know, it's like, I've been such accustomed to so many people back in Indiana to where they're like, they're so easy to give up on shit when things get hard or when things don't work out after, you know, a little while. It's like, man, it's like the only time I've ever given up in my life when I was when I was a musician and I did that for 14 years and I made CDs. I, I toured around a little bit, didn't st still didn't get out to where I wanted to be. And I ended up becoming burnt out and creatively burnt out from music. And I ended up becoming decided, hey, film, I find a passion in film. And that's what I want to pursue. That's where I, I'm finding that creative itch that needs scratched that I wasn't getting with music anymore. Well, so, speaking for the rest of Austin, we don't need any more musicians anyway. So you're, you're thank, it's hey, fine. But hey, like I said, <laughs> musician, like, that's okay. <laughs> hey, there, like I said, there's a lot of musicians though that are you know creative in plenty of other aspects too. You know, and it's always just about finding that. So a failed musician went into filmmaking here in Austin failed musician. and, uh, well, you know, we're just going to call it what it is. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. um, <laughs> and so it, it sounds like it was, it, it was pretty easy to get connected. Um, what do you feel like is the state of the Austin film scene? Not now. Uh, um, cause obviously that's just who knows. Right. But mm. in terms of, what you experience, especially in the independent market, um, I like. I don't know how big of these projects that you were on, right? Because I've I've had so many different experiences. I'm I'm curious, like, what were the? Do you have any bad experiences on a film set? Um, and did that shape how you viewed the Austin scene at all? Um, bad experiences on a film set here in Austin. Um, yeah. Huh. I don't know. Working with your ass most of the time, you piss me piss me the fuck off. Sometimes no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm a I'm a <laughs> I'm a slave driver on my film sets. So yeah, you, know. you are. I mean, that's that's an understatement. But uh, <laughs> no uh, bad experiences, dude. Nah, nah, I mean, I don't think I really have. You haven't had a single bad experience here in Austin. I I'm mean, shocked. Or maybe it's maybe I did have a bad experience and I just was you know I'd try to forget. Is Austin it. a really nice place to make films? I mean, it's better than Indiana. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but that's the thing though. I can't sit here and talk trash about my hometown because we did make a lot of amazing shit there, and I, I did have a, I do have a lot. No, of it's already done. I've clipped there. it. Now, oh my god, everyone knows Indiana. Of course sucks. you did. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna edit it. A, you're gonna edit it a certain way. Make me look bad. All right. Um... Nah, but uh, so how do you feel? Uh, what do you think the Austin film scene is or was, you know, before this pandemic? Um, I, th you know, I thought it was uh, 
I thought there was a lot of growth going on. I felt like there was, it was headed in the right direction. I mean, at least the people that I was around, um, was around a lot of creatives. I still, you know, around a lot of creatives, but before all this shit happened and people were actually, you know, not afraid to go out and, you know, do things and create things. Uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, something that I was, uh, extremely stoked to see progress. So, uh, opposite. And what was your, what's been your favorite project that you worked on and why? Uh, and in a moment, my film and in a moment, you worked on that here. Nah, here in Austin, I should, I should say, I really want to be here in specific. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, here in Austin, I mean, I guess, I guess. Did I you do that here in Austin? Or you did that in Indiana, right? And in a moment I did in Indiana. Okay, um, yeah. here, here in Austin, I, I mean, Probably, I mean, probably the most thing I've been proud of is the is the Jimmy stuff that we've been doing, man. Uh, yeah, tell me about Jimmy Arcario and trying to create content for yourself. I mean, it's 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 tough as shit for sure. I mean, especially what, well, what drove you to do it then? Why would you want to? Well, originally it was just a thing. I was like, okay, you know, I'm unemployed. I got all this free time on my hands. I want to do something creative with it, and you know, there's a lot of amazing local breweries in town to you know i was like okay might as well I, I always had a big thing for snl and i was like okay might as well just create this character from chicago who likes to review beer and what became a beer review what became beer review videos it was something fun it was something really quick to make and then all of a sudden you know it seemed like a lot more and more people were digging what we were doing you know and then we got you on and we ended up getting we ended up kind of you know kind of going above and beyond and doing these short films and really progressed it into something I really wasn't ex expecting to happen. I mean, it's been a shit ton of fun for sure. So why, why has that been, why do you choose that as your favorite thing besides just, you know, the fact that it's yours, obviously the fact that it's a lot of fun, you know, is there anything specific towards, you know, the process or anything that, that makes it stand out for you? Because it's new. I've never done a web series before. That was the one that, you know, I've done, I've done plenty of short films and music videos, but it's like that it's like trying to do a web series, trying to, you know, trying to create, keep creating content, coming up with different ideas around this character to keep releasing different, you know, content and different segments involving this character and involving who he is. And it's like, I don't know. It's just been something that I've just never done before. And it's, interesting because it's also kind of you know helping me with that you know flexing that producing muscle a little bit and trying to go out and getting the breweries involved and talking with the breweries and trying to market it and trying to get you know and now like now at, a, at this point we're getting free product from these breweries and hopefully soon enough we'll, we'll start getting funding to to fund a lot of these bigger episodes do you think producing was that something that you ever thought that you'd get into? I mean, I, I feel like there's something that I kind of like, just, I kind of like, you know, kind of threw myself into because it was like doing the films and stuff back home, starting to do all the films back home. It was just like, I felt like it, everything we've, you know, really done was skeleton crew, especially starting out. And so it was one of those things. It's like, well, I kind of have to do everything. You know, I kind of want to show, show my worth a little bit, show that I can, do everything, you know, get somebody to shoot the shit or act in it or be involved with people who are better than me, learning from them, editing the shit, 
producing, it's like, okay, well, someone's got to make it happen. Someone's got to bring everything together. Someone's got to bring everything to fruition. And it's like, that was the one thing I've always learned growing up is like, you know, it's like you can only put your amount of trust in so many people. So to, to rely on yourself to make that shit happen, that's how I've always been. It's like, you know, the only one that's really going to make it happen as much as you want it to happen is yourself, you know, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go out there and fucking do it. I've, um, I've produced a few things. Uh, I think that, uh, one of the lessons that I've learned is that like producing is like often the most overlooked part of independent filmmaking, especially here in Austin. You got a lot of wannabe directors. You got a lot of wannabe cinematographers. You got a lot of people who want to make something, but they don't put in the work of real producing. (laughs) And there's a whole lot of different things that go into it. What kind of lessons have you learned that you feel like has made producing successful to you have, do you feel like it's been successful? Um, I guess I do feel like it's been successful because I mean, we've been releasing content. We've been getting shit done. Um, I feel like if it was, if we weren't doing any of that, it'd feel like a, you know, a failure. How much of that? I'm curious. Maybe I'm just showing my hand here, but like how much of that do you think is, is you're able to get people to do shit because you're a good person and how much of it is just, like having like good producing power or talent do you think if you could put it on know. a scale <laughs> i mean i guess i guess with me it's always like with me it's like i like i like being around people i love the collab i love collaboration so my my first thing is i always love to is a, get to is a producer is a producer just someone that does shit or is it someone that's good to work with what's the ratio there do you think i mean to me you gotta be both I mean, because if you're a piece, if you're a piece of shit, I mean, I don't think anyone's gonna want to work with you. Uh, you That's know. the thing, you know. Like, I just, I feel like if if you aren't pleasant to be around, and you don't like, because it's like most of the, most of the shit we're doing is no budget, and anything that does, anything that we that I, that does need funded, you know, it's coming out of my pocket. So it's like, it's just like you know, I, I, as much as I want, because I want to help people on their creative endeavors too. So it's like, yo, I want. I want people to be passionate about this as I am. And I want to work with people who are passionate and wanting to, to be on shit and want and have the, you know, that's why a big thing is, it's like, I, I want to say, Hey, we're passionate about this. We're trying to make shit happen. This is what we're doing. This is what we've done. How do you feel about it? Do you want to, do you want to help us out? Do you want to be on board with this? You know? And so it's just like, I love working with people who are, just as motivated and passionate and dedicated and want to do things. So how do you, how do you manage getting, because here's the thing. I think there's always been, I've been to, uh, I've seen the big directors talk about it. I've been to the keynotes, uh, uh, the conferences, whatever. And there's always someone online, whether it's Peter Jackson or the, uh, the brothers, I can't, whatever. Uh, the, no, <laughs> the, the other ones, the, the <laughs> ones that do the, the mumble core stuff. Um, uh, you know, they, they always talk about like, just get together with your friends on the weekend, <laughs> you know, just, uh, mm-hmm. just, you got a camera, you can, you can get a camera now. Yes. We talked about that. It's super easy to, you can just do it on your phone. Just mm-hmm. get together with your friends on the weekend. Yeah. Here's my problem. Like, how do you get those people together? How do you do it? Like, it's so hard to get, like, I try and like, nail down a schedule no one wants to come out what do you what do you think the the key is there i mean 
don't know. There's always someone always someone always has an excuse. There's always some flaky person. Like even the day of, there's always someone that's like, "Man, I can't make it. Sorry, like car broke down. I don't know." But that's the but that's the (laughs) thing too. It's like yeah, there's those people, and I've been around those people too. You know that you know would back out, and and that's one thing too. It's like I never work with those people again because it's like they're obviously not you know passionate and they're not willing to be a part of something. But it's like, but that's the thing too. It's like there's also people, you know, that you find that's like, okay, someone dropped out last minute the day before the shoot. You put out feelers, hey, we're needing this for the shoot. And like it's happened recently, you know, with the, the Jimmy episode that we just shot where I had we like most of all of our extras dropped out, you know, for whatever reason. And those were, some, you know, and those were some friends of mine that ended up dropping out, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of them don't understand the, you know, the amount of effort and the amount of time and, shit that it takes to make something come together. But then again, it's like putting feelers out. Hey, we need this. Who wants to be involved? You know, just kind of laying it straight out. This is what, you know, what, what we're doing, you know, it's, it's not paid, you know, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. You know, we're, especially now we're COVID No, but I've heard that. Well, hold on, hold on though. But I've heard that pitch before. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've said no to something just because they're like, Oh, we're just trying to do a fun thing with it. Like, so what, like, so how do you, What's the key, do you think? Well, how do you get people out whenever it's like, it's hard. I, I feel like I've been in Austin for so long and you hear that stuff so many, there's so many passion projects going on. You like can throw a stone. If you're in Seattle, you hit a Starbucks and, and in Austin, you'll hit a filmmaker who's making a passion project. Right. In my opinion. <laughs> you I mean, know, yeah. there's, there's one on every corner, right? So what what is it? Do you think that like, cause you did, you managed to get so many people to come out for this. Granted, maybe it was your first time <laughs> like reaching out to people. I don't know. Um, for our last episode, do you think that it's, what do you think it is that, that you need for, for people to, to come out? I don't know. I think I honestly think it just comes down to being personable and having the moxie, you know? Because like the true people, I mean, like that's what I'm saying, you attract the people that you want to be around. You attract the people. So it's like, you know, putting the feelers out, hey, this is what's going on. You know, not just saying, because there's so many, like there's a, you know, there's so many different things that I see pop up. Hey, this is a casting call. We're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And it's so, you know, I, hey, cool. That sounds fun. I'm interested. And then I get a mass email. Hey, here's an audition. Send it in. We do, if you don't hear from us in the next few days, then sorry. You didn't. It's like, I don't want to be a part of something like that. I think that's, know, a good, uh, that's a good point, actually. I remember uh, producing a short that we did. And one of the things as an actor that I did was I took over the casting calls and, and the audition process. And I'd seen the casting calls come in for other things all the time. And one of the things I really put some thought into was like, not only why we wanted to make the movie. I put a small little synopsis of what we were trying to accomplish, but I also put the synopsis of the of the thing and and these kinds of things. Just on that alone, I got people coming to the audition. It was like, this sounds exciting. Like mm-hmm. I don't care what you pay. Like you like you sound passionate about it. You've put some thought into it. Yeah, I that might be like a certain key to it. <laughs> it's like to maybe show that you've put some thought into it maybe that you actually want (laughs) to make something again it comes down to my point is if you show your passion for something and those you'll attract those those exact same passionate people that want to be a part of something that you're passionate about 
You know, if you're sitting there, I want to make something just because I, you know, I'm sure, you know, I, I don't have anything else going on today. I want to make something. I don't think it. You I know? think it. I think also it's just like make something that you want to see made, right? Right. There's too many people that come up with something. They're like, it's relevant or it's like a, a cool idea, but they don't they don't have any fun with it, right? Or they when they're developing the concept, like they have the idea, but they don't know they they don't know what excites them, right? If you don't know what excites you or why you want to make it or you're not having fun with it, then no one else is going to get excited with you. Yeah, and what's the fucking point if you ain't doing something that you you know you're having fun with, you're excited about? That's what I've always said. It's like I'm not going to I'm not going to be a, even even if even if the pay is decent, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not going to sit there and accept a project that I'm not passionate, you know, I'm not I don't really feel excited about even if Bro. the pay is good. Bro, I'll take a thirteen hundred dollar a day paycheck <laughs> for something that's the thing. <laughs> that like, I'm not passionate about, <laughs> dude. That's something. Free, I mean, like I'm sitting there, like you, I'll you do talk it. about. But that's the thing. Like I'm talking about like passion projects, though. Like you you're talking people, about. We're talking about low budget shit. We're talking about low budget shit. Right. So it's like you know, it's like I see people that are you know constantly. You know, and I, and I see I'm still associated with the Indiana filmmaker. You know groups on Facebook and I see a lot of people posting, you know, here's a project that we're doing, you know, there's no, there's, you know, this unpaid and whatever. And first of all, just say, you know, if it's unpaid, be clear up and up, up front and unpaid. Don't sit there and incite something. Hey, yeah, we'll, we'll give you some food and we'll give you an IMDb You know credit. what bothers me? I, I did a post about this. Um, IMDb credit, a copy of the project and food is a given. You shouldn't have to say that on any casting call. There's right. no reason that you should have to say that. Like, that's not an incentive for people to come out. That's just something that you do for people. <laughs> that's what actors expect because they're showing up and they're spending 12 hours on day uh, on, on set. Like, you, you got to feed them. Right. Right. <laughs> Pack a lunch because we're not providing food on this one, I guess. <laughs> Get that I mean, brown paper bag out. I, I mean, that's not Oh, you wanted oh, you wanted credit? Oh no, we're not putting you in the credits. You're going to come out here and you're going to film for for 2 weeks, but we're not going to put you in the credits. Like what? The <laughs> but then again, I also I also kind of have respect for those people who are up front about like, "Hey, like we're very low budget. <laughs> we're unpaid." Um you know, we're not going to be able. It'll be a short day. We're not going to be able to pay. We're not going to be able to pay you. We're not going to be able to feed you because we're a little. Here's bit. the thing. I, I, Here's I the thing, though. It to Here's a the thing. Point. If you I lay don't, that shit out, I don't agree. Mostly because, like, if it's you cannot guarantee a short day. First off, like, don't. If I'm passionate about the project, if you excite me about the project, I'm going to show up. I don't care how long the day is going to be, but don't just like, hey, we're going to promise it because you never can. I've never had a guaranteed short day it's never happened and even yeah. the sets that i've been on where someone's like hey it's gonna be a short day and then it goes and we're in hour 16 like you said it was gonna be a short day it's like well you know yeah so there's al there's always something that comes up yeah so I, I the point is is like these are the, I, the point being is like all these things that people try to say because they're trying to make their casting calls or they're trying to make their project look more enticing to people like pales in comparison was just being excited about your own project like talking right. about it in a way that shows that like you've put some thought into it that you've you've brought about like um like any sort of um like care you know 
into Mm -hmm. making sure that the right people understand what it is you're trying to make, why you're trying to make it and why they should want to be involved, you know? Right. And that's the thing too, is like, um, and that was a big thing with Jimmy and, you know, and like, even if you're starting something out, like at least, you know, like with the Jimmy shit, it was, it was just me starting out and I was able to get, you know, Ryan involved to help out, you know, a little bit, you know, behind the cameras and shit. But it's like, man, it's like it gets to a certain point. It's like as long as you keep putting the effort, you're showing your that you're releasing this content, you're doing all this, all these different things to make things happen. You know, people are going to want to be a part of something, you know, because it's like you're putting the time and effort into something that you truly care about. And a lot of people want to be a part of that. And that's that, that's the thing that I love about the people that we work with, because it's like a lot of people just, you know, they want to be a part of that. They want to be a part of something, you know, and they 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 see what we're doing. They see that we're putting in the time, we're putting in the effort into it. And, you know, and it, it, it's, I think it speaks volumes, you know? Well, speak for everyone else. I got nothing else better going on. So I'm just, you know, doing yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I remember you hit me up, bro. I was like, Hey man, why didn't you ask me to be a part of the Jimmy stuff? I, I, didn't, you, you I was didn't bored. You were interested. Well, I was bored yeah, as hell. Bro, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Low ball uh, this time. Uh, so this is a good, we got, we got two people in the chat. This is this is a great time because we're so popular on this podcast. Uh, I'm surprised we, I stuck do around we have, this long. <laughs> do we have any? Uh, uh, this is a good Q and A. This Q and A time, man. Do we got any uh, um, questions from the chat? Uh, but while uh, type up your questions, I don't care how big or small or whatever. Uh, while we're doing that, um, yeah, I just I think again the moral of the whole thing is like, you gotta be, you gotta show some, some care or passion for mm-hmm. these things, especially when you're trying to ask people to be part of it. And then I want to hit home. Don't, I don't care if <laughs> you're providing credit is a given providing food is a given have coffee, like under, like think about these things before you make a film. Think right. about, Think about producing the stuff that goes into producing, whether it's craft services or something, making people comfortable. One of the things that I, that really helped out, I again that same short film, uh, I was helping kind of semi produce and I assistant directed on it, and I I had the two main actors. They kept telling me for years after, it's like that was like the most professional shoot I've ever been on, and that was the first thing I'd ever done. <laughs> That was really like the first project. And the reason they kept saying that though was because like I was very adamant about making sure that the actors were not like were treated like actors on a film set that I had been on. You know, they knew they were communicated with often. They knew where they needed to be. Um, if they knew where bathrooms were going to be, like think about where your bathrooms are going to be whenever you're going to choose a fucking production, right? Um, if you're, if there's not a bathroom around, you can't rent one, that's fine. Let people know that, right? But also, like, just know these things and communicate it with it. If you're not communicating anything, the more you communicate, the better it is for everyone involved and then just give them food i remember one project buying going to the store and spending like hundreds of dollars on like healthy food and some junk food and like okay i i'm in austin 
there's a lot of vegans around. There's a lot of organic people. Yeah. We we got a Whole Foods. Like everyone. That was wants, all new to me when I came down here. And too. I remember, <laughs> and I remember like getting some things that like well, I wouldn't, you know, want to uh, it, probably eat. But you know, uh, I'm gonna throw it out there and give people options. Give people options. That's good. I will say though, everyone ate all the junk food first. All the chocolate chip cookies gone. <laughs> Oh, dude. Hands down. <laughs> all the That's, chips, dude. gone. All the candy, gone. You yeah, know, you give me a, I was give left. Me a sugar high if I'm freaking dead tired all day. Give me a little bit of sugar high to keep going. I was <laughs> left at the end of the day with all the, all the organic stuff. I was like, well, damn, I don't want to eat any of this. <laughs> I don't want all the healthy shit. What is that? <laughs> uh, okay, we got, we got some questions coming in, coming in hot. And the, and the uh, Austin Film Core podcast chat. Yeah. Is there room? <laughs> hold on. From, uh, s- s- I don't even know how to pronounce this his username. I know Tanner. his name, but I know that. <laughs> I'm pronouncing it Sek- Sekmet Star. <laughs> Is there room in Austin to support a budget that's more in the low range of 50 to 100K for a feature film? If so, where is executive producer support coming from? Is there a real, realistic budget to shoot a first feature for in Austin? I'm going to say that yes, there is room in Austin to support it. Where they are, I don't fucking know. But I have worked on a few projects that I don't know about the 50 to 100K range. Um, I recently did an assistant editing project that might have been uh, close to that. Um and that recently got into Sundance. And honestly, like these executive producers, things like that, um, in terms of Austin, it's a good question. I think Austin has more along the lines of angel investors. Um, they're out there. There's people with money. There's some oil tycoons, whatever you may call it. But it's not, you're not going to find people who understand. It's not like film producers there's not a not a lot of people in the film uh market who are just looking to bankroll an independent feature um it's gonna have to be from people who are like your your uh uncle's friend at a lawyer firm or whatever that has like a whole lot of money in terms of austin dentist (laughs) yeah yeah. rich dentist that's a i think that's also probably a reference to um who was it um not Danny Bull. Maybe it was Danny Bull. No, no, no. The uh, the walk. Uh, the uh, the de- the who who did the? Why am I blanking on this? The director of the ver- the first zombie stuff. Night of the Living Dead. Danny. No, no. Night of the Living Dead and stuff. Um, Evil Dead and everything. Uh, he oh, went around. Sam Raimi. I think he went around to dentists to get his first either that or Martin Scorsese. I don't remember, but they went around to dentists, just local dentists, to to ask him like, "Hey, do you want to?" Do you want to fund it? And it and it's worked. <laughs> you had to, you had to do, you had to do um, a project. I remember doing a film. One of the first independent film projects I was on. Um, I know Robert Rodriguez did this for his first film, and I know that the, one of the first films that I was on was uh, about a PPP study. It was one of those. Um, those studies, you know, where you go into, they're testing a drug, right? And they need volunteers and you go <laughs> yeah. in and you, you stay there and they observe you while they test a drug, you know, you're a <laughs> guinea pig, right? But you get paid, yeah. you get paid a good amount of money, you know, right. to, to sit. And uh, <laughs> that's that one of the first projects I was, I was on, um, 
was a was you were, you were about that. that. You were you were one filming that. I was acting. I was acting in it. Oh, so you were one of the guinea pigs. Uh, yeah, but also the director had done the the thing as well. Um, like he had done some PPP projects to get some some money for those things, and I think that even uh, Robert Rodriguez to fund his first for mariachi, he did PPP studies to film it. I'm not advocating for that per se. There's a lot of different avenues that you have to do to get money in terms of like answering the question. It's very hard in my opinion to find that executive producer support. It's um, you can make it happen, but it's, it, it's anything filmmaking that I've learned is all about. Uh, <laughs> it's all about like general meetings, right? Uh, don't underestimate the power of just general meetings. Like you got to go in, you mm-hmm. got to get, you got to get um, coffee, dinner, whatever it may be talk with someone and just talk about people. And again, most producers from what I've learned, you see it, you see it in Hollywood too. Anytime you're like, why they get that guy to direct, you know, you know why? Because he was a good person to have coffee with. <laughs> I remember my friend like had a possibility of like a meeting where he, you know, might've gotten bankrolled for some project. And he's like worried about what he needs to like pitch or what he has to prepare. I was like, dude, he's not this guy who has a lot of money. He's not looking for what you can sell him. He's looking for like, are you a person that he wants to work with? You know, you're wooing him like you would a date, you know, it's about first mm-hmm. impressions. Like don't discount the, the like, you just got to start meeting with people. You just got to start, start talking to them. And I think that's, it's all about networking. I hate to say that's about who you know, but like, that's really it. And those people are out there. I do. I just got on some other films that like got made short films and stuff like they're happening. Have I connected with them? No, but right. I know that they're out there and it's just about, Having a script always is the first thing, right? If you don't have a finished script, it's not going to happen. Um, uh, but having the first, having a finished script is the first step. Second step, just be a cool person to hang out with, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel that, that's one thing too. Even like with interviews and shit, dude. It's like, you know, uh, like I, 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 I would, I would always rather getting you know of course it's so it's so different in these times now but i always lo- would love to actually meet the person whether it be you know in person or you know over a zoom call whatever because it's like you know like it's just like i'd rather talk to you face to face or whatever you know instead of sitting here texting or through an email because it's like or you see you know something that i post it's like it's always a different story because it's like you know, I want to get to know you, first of all, as much as I want you to know who, who the fuck I am and what, what we're trying to accomplish. You know, it's always a different story when it's in, in you know, face to face. So that's definitely a good point. Yeah, I, it's yeah, it, it's hard during the pandemic, I will say. And it's hard to meet those people. And a lot of times your first projects are going to be your friends and family. Everyone knows this. Um, I, I always... Um, advocate anytime someone's doing their first film and they want to go to crowdfunding i always say no don't do it it's not worth it like you're just gonna get you're just gonna get your friends and family to do it like do crowdfunding when you have an audience if you're not building nowadays if you're not building an audience for yourself 
it's a lot of things are not going to go anywhere. Again, that's a different thing as just having talent, finding the right, um, you know, angel investor, but it is really hard. Austin's not going to be the best place to find those things, or it's going to be very rare. It happens. Um, and those projects do get made how they get involved. It's all different. There's no clear direction. That's actually one of the things like I'm always been curious about, about making that more of a reality about connecting, uh, investors, um, with people who want to make films. You know, I've, I think that there's a market out there for that. If someone out there <laughs> wants to find out whether it's a website or something, I think it should happen. Um, but that's all I'll say about that. I, let's move, I want to answer this other question from novel for Samuel. If either of you have the budget, would you use luxury items such as director's chair, actress chairs, assistants, walkie talkies, etc., a monitor with you so you could always see the director sees, or do you think that stuff isn't necessary to be immersive or comfort? I'll be honest. I've been looking for, <laughs> if I had the budget, walkie talkies, man, do you, that's personally as someone in a low budget market I've been wanting some walkie talkies forever but I'm also like prior military and I love communication (laughs) and I love talking on a walkie talkie so I mean I get that I get that if you're like spread out I mean like if you're in like one small location and you know I mean uh you know if you're like in one small location you guys are already kind of around each other I don't really see the use of that. But if you know that you're going to be in different areas at once and yeah, it's always great to have that communication, you know, I mean yeah. like the, the director's chairs, the actor's chairs and shit. I mean, I mean, find, find a Pelican case to sit on. Here's, no, <laughs> here's what I'll say. Well, well, you know, Christopher Nolan doesn't sit in a chair. Oh, on yeah. He won't sit down. No, he doesn't want to sit down, man. He wants to, he wants to stand all day. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay. As in terms of, are those things necessary? A lot of those things, if we're talking about low budget, the market where we're at (laughs) in the, in the level that I am, are those things necessary? I would love to have those, those luxury items. I would love to have them. I would love to own them myself and be able to provide them. This, I, had a cot, um, a fold-out cot that I used as a bench that I would just have always with me so that people could sit down. Uh, don't underestimate the power of a, of a chair on set. Like I had fold-out stools and stuff. Like I think that stuff is very um, important for film sets. When you get to a higher level, you don't. someone's going to take care of that. <laughs> those are just things you don't have to think about. I would love to just be there. All those things to said, a director's monitor, the most important. You got to have Most it. important thing is having an external monitor just for the director. And I'll tell you why, because I've seen so many, so many projects that I've been on um, that have, the director is, doesn't have a monitor and they're watching this thing. And we spend so much time on one scene, on one shot where we could just move on and and do more coverage of the scene because they're not paying attention to what's actually being filmed because they're they're so focused on one little thing like a director's monitor is there so the director understands how the film is going to look what's in frame what matters at this moment uh, this part of coverage if you're not seeing it from that perspective if you're not looking at the film 
as the audience is going to potentially look at it, then you're doing yourself a disservice, you know? And also then at that point, you're just directing a play. <laughs> so right. I think, I think, a um, I think a director's monitor is, is one of the most, I wish, uh, one of the things it's so expensive. I want to get it like a wireless director's monitor. I do think that that would be a luxury item that is necessary. Uh, and I would love to have on a film set because that is, I think that's an important thing for a director to have because they have to be looking at it from the audience perspectives at any given moment. They have to know what the, the, what the audience is seeing. Um, Sorry, I'm sitting uh, here laughing yeah. at what, what what Tanner's over here saying. <laughs> Can we fly in a monitor for Matthias, please? Yeah, give me a monitor. I feel like people think that like I, because I brought my own monitor to the last few film sets that I've been on and I put, I put it on a stand. I have a stand. I'm like, hey, the stand is just for my monitor. And I feel like most people who are not used to that, they look at it and they're like, this fucking pretentious prick <laughs> until they realize like shit he's, he gets his a great idea he gets to his, bring that <laughs> he gets his monitor um i i just need it i i i need to know what the audience is going to see if i don't then i'm not i'm not going to do my best directing in my opinion you know um right. no, can you know. can you do things without a monitor can you direct without it sure but there's a reason why they have Video Village on big film sets. You mm-hmm. know, there's a reason why before everything calms down, before anyone calls action, the um, the assistant director yells quiet on set. The director puts his headphones on and he looks at the monitor and then the assistant director yells action while the director just is paying attention to one thing. What's happening yeah. in front of him? Right, and then especially on bigger sets like that, when you do have like a video village, I mean, like you'll have more people on set. You'll have a script supervisor who's gonna want to see what the hell's going on on camera, what needs to be, you know, be. You got to find the continuity and everything. You got to make sure everything's flowing. So it's like, yeah. So having, especially on a big set, when you have, you know, when you're able to have a lot of those people, a lot of those roles. Um, there's, of course, you know, not everybody can sit there and look at the monitor, you know, that's on the camera itself. You know, you got to have something that's, you know, away from it. And speaking of, too, since you do, you know, since you do love to bring your little director's monitor, um, I like I said, I have my long ass HDMI cable. So that way the shit is not almost about to fall because... <laughs> We keep forgetting it's attached to the camera with an HDMI cable. Well, that's what. That's why you also need to hire an assistant camera. So, uh, <laughs> notes hey. for you for you producers <laughs> out there: hire an assistant <laughs> camera. Yeah, videographer can't just do it all the by them fucking selves. Um, uh, there's there. <laughs> everyone's talking about whether or not there's pros and cons. I I want to be clear. The director's monitor is not there for composition and framing. Yes, if a director cares about those things, it's important for the director to be able to see that because they're going to be able to give the cinematographer... The the director's mind is on so many different things at any given moment. Um, And, I mean, framing and composition should be one of those things in terms of, like, is it portraying what they want to portray to the audience? But at the same time, it's it's definitely a lot more about the performance. A director's monitor is there because you're going to know 
if something was there, because there's a lot of times where like a performance, like if it happens or if someone says something or does something that you like, the camera may not have picked it up. And so you have to be sure, hey, I really liked what happened there. We need to get that coverage or something like that. If you didn't have a director's monitor there, then the director wouldn't know that. They wouldn't know to call for something like that. There's little things like that. Like a director, if they're paying very close attention, they have to be paying close attention to the performance above everything else. Um, I've seen a lot of directors who will, <laughs> they, they don't do any direction because they're paying attention to all the other things. Mm-hmm. And then and then performance happens. And, and in my opinion, everything else should drop away as soon as you call action, unless you're focusing on performance. I, and I've been there. But in my opinion, they should be focusing on performance. And I, I think, honestly, the director's uh, monitor helps with that. Uh, and again, I sound like a pretentious prick. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's usual for you, Matthias. I'm not surprised by it anymore, bro. But Hey, you know what, Taylor, I'm so glad you could join me (laughs) today on this podcast. (laughs) We we got, we got somebody, we got somebody who's trying to figure out how to to listen in. Well, it's, uh, we've been uh, talking for an hour and 16 minutes and, um, uh, unfortunately we'll, we'll make it work. Um, maybe next time. Uh, everyone can join in and listen in. Hey, uh, thanks for everyone who did join us for this podcast. Uh, we're definitely glad to have done it. I just wanted a chance to talk to filmmakers. I'm so glad that I could talk to uh, Taylor today. I hope you enjoyed your time. <laughs> uh, yeah. We know he didn't enjoy his time in Indiana. We can be sure of that. Uh, I mean, I did. I did. It just wasn't a. It wasn't a state for me to grow in and where I wanted to be. I hit a ceiling out there. <laughs> hey, so. uh, Ed, do you want to? It's a good chance. Do you want to tell people where they can find you online? Yeah, I mean, if you're into the films and the music videos and shit, you can check out staticcarproductions.com, see all the films that we've done. Um, and you can you just go right there. It'll go to our website soon enough. It'll just be the YouTube page. Or if you want to check out Matias and I's uh, web series that we're doing, uh, Jimmy Arcurio Beer Connoisseur, just go to jimmyarcurio.com and you'll be able to see our episodes. We've got a new episode coming out uh, hopefully by the end of the month, early next month. Um, and it's a fun ass episode, and I think a lot of people will enjoy it. Thanks. That's Taylor Fredericks. I'm Matias Mercy, and thanks for joining us on this first podcast. And we'll catch you on the next one.